Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. John, it is our second to last paper view that we're going to cover here it is World War Three, and I think they had one too many papers. <laughs> one too many? Yeah, this is the one where they could have gone, eh, we'll go yeah. Havoc, and then yeah. we'll go to Starcade. Yeah, you know, I, I, I 100% agree with you. I never... I, other than like being excited for the first World War Three, three rings, it all sounded amazing. Yeah. Until it happened. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, all right, 1995, they tried it. It was not that great. Other than the final few minutes of that match. Let's let's change it up a bit. Right. But they didn't. And. We got the they, same they, thing. They actually made it worse, and I'll tell you why. So mm. we'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll cover it, and we'll analyze it when we get there. But they uh, in 95, they put everybody in the the big battle royal, the, the one ring, yeah. for the last, like, 10 minutes of the match or whatever. So even if you were a little frustrated with having to kind of watch through the boxes, at least the, the, the ultimate, you know, part of the match – you want to see you, you got a good amount of it this year for this 96 it was like three and a half minutes long yeah yeah the main, yeah the main yeah. ring so yeah it was um you know the other thing there's not a lot of uh of news in this time frame and it's i think it's because there's only you know it's only about three or three to four weeks of time period between the last pay-per-view and this one so you, you know, we had a whole lot of stuff going on with the NWO, with all these, you know, Xbox coming in and Ted DiBiase's coming in. And what are we doing with Sting? And so that stuff has kind of slowed down. And uh, and and so we're not going to have like a ton of stuff to talk about, but there's still some interesting stuff to talk about. And the first thing is we got the really the the year long story here kind of starting around this time period of sting watching from the rafters mm-hmm. uh you know checking checking out matches you're not sure what side he's on the fact that he's wearing black and white bobby heenan will say just about every show that he's got to be nwo for wearing the black <laughs> and white and you know, he kind of comes in and he's hanging out with Luger and just gives him the bat pushes him first and gives him the bat 
for some reason, he wants to pick on Jeff Jarrett, not only on Nitro, but also on the pay-per-view. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on this version of Sting as, as, we, as we see the beginning stages of it? Um, I thought it was really cool then and really cool now. Um, you know, seeing the seeing it again, the development of it, seeing how his his face paint kind of changed, and he kind of figured it all out. Though that first time he showed up with the black and white, he must have not had a really good black shirt to wear <laughs> because he had. I I forget. I forget. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched it now. Since so like you know, been a few weeks now. But but he was wearing a shirt with some logo on it that was like nothing to do with wrestling or it was like a sponsor and he was trying to do his best to hide it, you know, cause he just needed a black shirt. Apparently yeah. very strange, but um, you know, it's cool to see how it developed and people get excited when he's just walking up the rafters to get in position where he needs to be. And um, you know, back then I thought it was really cool. The only thing I just, it just went forever, you know, and that's when it started getting old, even though it, it, the match made big money, you know, next to the following year at Starcade in 1997. Of course, the result was, was, uh, was not screwed up. <laughs> but still, for me, I remember being like, okay, like, how long can they stretch this out to? And like, it was amazing. I remember, I forget when I read it in the Observer, and I just couldn't believe my eyes. And I said, they're holding this off to Starcade. <laughs> yeah. I thought for sure. I thought Great American Bash at the most, or Bash at the Beach, whatever, around that time, you know, summertime. And I just couldn't believe when I read Starcade. Like, what could they do? But it worked. I mean, it, it did a big buy rate. The result, the result, like you said, it was messed up. But yeah, leading to that, it, it worked. Yeah. So here's a here's a story that I didn't realize. I didn't. I never knew this. But Dave said, or Dave wrote in the Observer, that one of the reasons that they did the angle with Sting not wrestling in the ring is because he had a maximum amount of actual in-ring dates, and WCW Hmm. had used a lot of them. And so he only had a few left, and they needed him for major house shows. Now, this is a time period where, you know, the the guys... Maybe you would get the outsiders at a at a house show, you know. You're not getting Hogan, yeah. Uh, and and so people are paying to see the outsiders, and you're getting chaos. But they needed Sting because you they didn't have all the stars at the house shows. So the beginning of this character kind of starts because they screwed up on the amount of dates that they worked him for the year. <laughs> That's oh, you fascinating. know, it's so funny to me about that those dates like you know like okay pony up a little yeah, bit you know what i mean they're a little bit more money yeah yeah just say oh, hey you know what we need you we're gonna give you x amount of dollars we're gonna give you i'll give you whatever extra on that top of that so you can work you don't have to work them every weekend you know what i mean like but they did definitely i mean if that's the case and i believe that's true of course but because you know sting was on almost every damn nitro wrestling yeah, yeah. right from 1996 so i can i can definitely see that so here's the thing that i think it works out in their favor a they create this storyline where you know the whole the the whole thing is about you know when is this guy actually going to wrestle again that you know that whole storyline then you also have 
Lex Luger, a little bit of a sympathetic babyface, and he actually gets to play the sting role in this mm-hmm. scenario for this pay-per-view. Like, like I said, the, this pay-per-view didn't even really need to exist, but the good part of this show was actually Lex Luger firing up because around this time, if everybody remembers the creative around this time, it was the NWO just beats up everybody. Yeah. And so WCW doesn't really have anybody. And you're showing a little bit of, oh, maybe it's going to be Lex. Maybe Lex can be the savior. You know, Lex, DDP, DDP's a little bit over now. Ric Flair, but he's hurt. Huh. And, and, but, but that's it, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. else can face the NWO. So I thought Sting's absence allowed for them to kind of lean into Lex a little bit. He's kind of getting over in this match uh, that we'll, we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. Yeah, I think Lex is doing really great in that role, putting that position as the top babyface or the the guy leading the, the WCW charge, right, against the NWO. Uh, at the pay-per-view, I know we're, I'm not going to go into the match right now. We're talking about that later. But I do want to mention that promo he had with me and Gene Oakland in the locker room, getting ready mm-hmm. for the match, talking mm-hmm. about his strategy, et cetera. He, he felt like a leader there, right? Mm-hmm. He felt like he WCW. And... And even the, the Nitros leading up to that, he did a great job. And his ring work has been fabulous, as we've been talking about this whole time as we're reviewing 1996. So, man, I, I mean, if we're, you know, of course, NWO, hot as hell, you know, helped WCW greatly. The Hogan heel turn, of course, great. But, man, uh, you got to give MV, MVP considerations for day in, day out to Lex Luger, I think, 1996. And to think, Vince McMahon saw no money. In black trunks, Lex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't understand. You know, he just needed to have Lex Luger be Lex Luger. Um, heel would have been better. You know, he was a heel, of course, the narcissist. But, you know, at the time, WWF was a very, like, gimmick-heavy character, you know, even more heavy on the outlandish characters. So that's why the narcissist, you know, Lex Luger's ego turned up to 11. But it just didn't work. Of course, USA... I think it would have worked if he won at SummerSlam 93, but we talked about that before, of course, in, in the previous uh, Patreon episodes. But yep. anyways, in my opinion, Luger 1996 has been, as a huge Lex Luger fan, you know I am, um, I think 1996 is one of my – now we're, as we're doing this, I now I'm, I was going to say, I think one of my favorite years of you know watching Lex Luger. Hello? I think you cut out for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I cut out? Yeah, you said one of your favorite things about watching Lex Luger, and then you cut out. Oh, I'm did we, did we edit it or no? No, no, just keep going. I'm sorry. Weird, awkward. And I'm just saying, like, looking back at, you know, my fandom of Lex Luger, you know, I always talk about 89, and then, you know, 90 was a good year, and I, I enjoyed 91 for what it was. But I think 1996 is definitely one of those best years of his whole career, you know, I just performance-wise and everything. Lots of uh, variety from Lex with the, mm-hmm. the the tag team with Sting where he's playing heel and Sting's playing babyface. And then now they need him as a babyface. He he uh, destroys poor Arn Anderson to, to get over back as, as kind of like the leader of the babyface. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that, that I, I would say that's the one positive. There's another couple of positives about this pay-per-view, but... The one positive of, of this show was to kind of 
I mean, and it would have worked a lot better probably if he would have won this battle royal, but that was not <laughs> in the cards for them, which yeah, I, yeah, which yeah. probably is not really even that sensical considering Lex gets a run with the title in 97 for like a week, right? Um, she, barely a week, but yeah, it was from that Monday he won it and lost it, I think, on a Saturday or Sunday, that pay-per-view, right? I mean, you could have done that by having him win this battle royal, too. Yeah, having that in that pocket of that no more contendership. Yeah. Okay, so what else is going on here? So, uh, in our last show, which covered Halloween Havoc, Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out at the end and he's trash talking Hogan, who's the icon, and they they come to to an agreement as if you know, okay, we, we both were icons, we we both were great for pro wrestling until Piper leaves, and then Hogan makes fun of the kilt, and then that gets Piper all fired up again. So <laughs> from that moment on. Eric Bischoff, uh, he is making some claims that Rowdy Roddy Piper is uh, that they want him. They want to sign him to do the match. It was a, it just Piper wanted to come out at the end of that show. He asked for ten minutes or whatever, uh, whatever, whatever Bischoff <laughs> it took said. fifteen. And they, they, yeah, <laughs> they went off the air. They had to replay this thing like twice. Yeah. Um. So. The whole story is that Bischoff's like, yeah, you know, we'd love to get Piper back. And, you know, if he wants to have the match, it's a match we'd love to sign. But it's, oh, you know, I'm going to Portland and trying to find Piper and, you know, can't Cast find commitments. him. And he's got stuff going on. And I'm talking to his agent and, you know, just we really love to make this match happen. And it just hasn't happened. So the show long or the the, the weekly storyline ends with Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Uh, they play a music video for him <laughs> that Bischoff says is from 1992. And, and here, here's, here's the, the way that they get to this video. Somebody jumps the rail. No one stops him. Gives them a paper bag. <laughs> I think it was a, <laughs> was it a paper, paper bag. No, it was a van- like, not a vanilla envelope, but one of the harder UPS ones. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a paper bag, though, yeah. So gives them the the video. They open it and decide that, you know, we're going to take it to the truck and we'll see if we have a, a converter so that they can play this tape. And if, if it's a good tape, then, you know, we'll play it at the end of the show. So they do play it at the end. And it's a 1992 music video that I'd never seen or heard or remember of Rowdy Roddy Piper singing. And so Bischoff is trying to say that this tape actually gives you the reason why he's frustrated with Hulk Hogan. Now, they have years and years and years of WWE matches that you could kind of bring Mm up as a reference of why Piper might be mad at, at Hogan. But instead, they use this stupid tape of this music video. And the hook is there's a marquee. Uh, like 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 Piper is is shown like going to the arena to to have a match and on the marquee it says Hulk Hogan against Rowdy Piper, and so Bischoff says that is the reason right there. Look at the way Piper stares at that sign that shows him that he still wants a piece of Hogan. So I don't know why they did that goofy thing because that was yeah. very silly. Uh, but then. Uh, Piper comes out on the uh, the go home show for World War Three, and he basically calls Bischoff out for being a liar. 
He uses an old LL Cool J line from a song called You're a Liar. Uh, you 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 said you slapped Roddy Piper, and you didn't get a, and and, and uh, you didn't get a hassle or something like that. And and I think the the the, the next line after that it has something to do with uh, getting burgers at White Castle. So, uh, so then he basically says, Bischoff, you're lying. You didn't go to like he's like trying to like oh my my ranch is it a straight line or is it a curvy driveway? And Bischoff has that. no answer. He's like. Right in Bischoff's face, he basically calls Bischoff a liar. Then the NWO comes out and they say that, you know, uh, Eric Bischoff is is part of the NWO. So the problem with this storyline, and I don't I don't know what you thought about how Bischoff played it, but Bischoff gets much better at being the sleaze ball. Like like later, yeah, he seemed to be very uncomfortable in this role in these first two shows, the, the yeah. Go Home Show and then World War Three. Uh, he he doesn't become sleazy e I guess until much later, but he was like almost like he didn't know what to do. He was I, how do I play cool? Like what am I supposed to do here? And it was very awkward for these first two shows that we watched. Yeah, I remember when this first happened. He revealed that Eric Bischoff is the guy you know f- responsible for the NWO or, or just they're why they're so powerful at the WCW. And I remember being shocked. Like at first, I didn't know what was going on. Why is Piper so angry? You know. Yeah. And then, then like when he said the the you know, is my driveway straight to my ranch or is it curvy? That's when I was like, oh, I remember like, oh my god. And I thought this this reveal was so great, but looking back, how did I not know what was going on? Because Eric Bischoff was giving it away right when he shows up. Yeah. Like he's scared. I know you're supposed to be, but he should have played it a little more cool. Yeah. But he was like looking around, totally over the top. And they kept showing. You know what they should have done? They should have never showed Bischoff more than a few seconds. Just focused on Piper coming to the ring. And then, you know, and then then you show them as you go, like, to the hard cam or something like that once Piper gets in the ring. But, yeah, I thought he wasn't – I thought he did a good job. He's probably nervous, too. It's, he's This is his first performing as a – uh, as a heel, so he's probably a little nervous about it, too. So, But he does get – he's one of the better performers, you know. Um, Eric Bischoff was as a you know evil promoter kind of guy, you know, in wrestling and and um you know he's not as great as this man, but he was he was pretty good, you know. So the thing that they should have done on that promo is like he comes out and he's like, All right, like yeah. you're here, we got the match. You got my messages, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead, he like he just plays it wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh it, it was yeah, like like it was not the the easy e character that I remember of being like, wow, this guy's really good at being a sleazeball. It's like, nope, this guy sucks at this thing so far, but he yeah. does get better uh, yeah. down 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 the line. So, all right, the Piper, the Roddy Piper deal is to work four or five wrestling matches per year and make about fifteen interview appearances throughout the year. The prime focus of the contract per Big Dave is that Turner will be developing a syndicated television show built around Piper as a bounty hunter or policeman type role. <laughs> and supposedly the contract was for a good amount of money. That ever happened? I don't know. I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. So the, the, yeah. the story role for Bischoff being a part of NWO 
relates to the NWO hour of Nitro that they keep teasing. Now, uh, Mike Tanay does a does a good job here. It's it's kind of a subtle thing, but Mike Tanay, because uh, Tony Tony Schiavone walks out of the last Nitro before the pay per view, and it's because Scott Hall keeps messing with him, like like messing with his hair and like pushing his head, and so Schiavone's like, "Look, Larry Zbysko, you coward! You're a wrestler and you're not sticking up for me, so I'm leaving." And so Mike Tanay has to do the show with Zbysko, and so they're discussing. How at War Games, the NWO won, which gave them a television show. And so they did the stuff on WCW Saturday night. And all of a sudden now the NWO is like, you know, we want Nitro. Like, that's the main show. And, and uh, Teneg says something like, why did Bischoff even agree to that? Mm. And so then that's a little bit of a, of a subtle tease there. So the idea was that. Because they had NWO as hour one of Nitro, Eric Bischoff would be the host of that one hour. Um, he said, Dave said, because Raw decided to start earlier, now the first hour of WCW Nitro was head-to-head with Raw, and Eric Bischoff wanted to be on air at the same time as Vince. He, and he this is this is the quote it's that simple and there's nothing more to it than that hmm hmm very interesting uh, there yeah from dave uh well, well i don't remember when nwo nitro starts so maybe we'll see we'll get to see uh the beginning of that I, I, but by the time we get to start it i don't remember so we'll have I to wait and I, see i want to say that episode where they tear the set down and it goes on forever I remember, it, I want to say it's early January, but I could, you know, I could be wrong. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. So Mean Gene, on the pay-per-view, said that another wrestler was coming to WCW. Do you know who this wrestler was? Brian Adams? So, I'm not sure who it is. I just oh. wanted to know if, who you thought it was. I feel like Brian Adams shows up sometime soon, or maybe early next year. So, Mr. Perfect is no-showing WWF. Mm-hmm. And uh, Meltzer thinks that Mr. Perfect is going to WCW, and the reason why this was kind of intriguing is because he was collecting the Lloyds of London insurance mm-hmm. by not wrestling. But I believe what happened is the Lloyds of London stopped paying it because I think they figured out that it was a giant con. <laughs> yeah. And and so then uh, Henning decided you know he wanted to get back into into wrestling, and so he actually showed up. I believe he showed up. Maybe maybe it was on a on one of the pay per views, the last pay per view before. They did Survivor Series, but then he was supposed to be on, and then he no showed. I don't exactly have that uh, probably right because I don't. I, I haven't been reading up on the WWF stuff in, in the Observer, but the idea was his contract ran through February, and then once the contract was up, Henning could possibly go to WCW to work mm-hmm. as a wrestler. Yeah, and he doesn't show up till July of '97, right? Is that what Take it is? A- July, yeah, I think it was because he's DDP's mystery partner and turns on DDP and joins NWO. So, 
Jeez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so literally that's it. Like, those are the main storylines. Obviously, well, the, the NWO is still the big deal. That you know, Courting like, DDP, I think, is pretty big. Courting DDP. Yeah. Uh, but the, DDP has not done the thing where he completely tells them no yet. Like, that's no, that, coming at some point. It's in January. I know that. Like, probably think the first or second episode of, Jan- of Nitro in, in January 1997. But I, one I, I didn't like about it is, like, they're tall – like, the, Hall and Ash – are speaking in tongues to DP, like you know, yeah, oh yeah. you know, I know, you know. I'm like, you, you, you're Eric Bischoff's next door neighbor. Yeah, we know. Yeah, that's like what the you know, but it's working though. I mean, I'm not saying it's not. It's just I want to get get little get some a little more context here, guys. You know, like why? Like talk about you know, hey, when I came to WCW back in '91, you know, you're the one that brought me in. You know, we have a close relationship. You know, Nash, same thing. You know, when you started wrestling, I was your first tag team partner. You know. Stuff like that, like at WSW, and and it could talk about that more. They didn't, in a, in a smaller storyline that's going on. There, the American males are having issues. Marcus Bagwell and and Scotty Riggs are having some miscommunication issues and getting frustrated with each other. So that's you know teasing what's coming up with that. I I don't think it's the most subtle of teases because oh, yeah yeah Marcus Alexander Bagwell like just changed his whole look to look like a douchebag. <laughs> like his whole, like he's now he's got the hair and he's got the goatee. Mm-hmm. He just looks like a heel. So, yeah. What about that awesome? If anyone want to go back watch that, I I I I think I tweeted out the the match with him and Brad Armstrong that opens up Nitro during this time frame. Vargas Bagel and Brad Armstrong just tear it down for like six minutes. It was like an amazing match. I love that match. I, I loved it so much I watched it twice. So Hogan actually ends Nitro uh, twice just by posing, like doing a short <laughs> yeah, interview yeah. and posing, and the show goes off the air. So that, uh, I, I mean, I, from what I understand, it actually did uh, did good ratings. So they brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so you know, testing. Oh, do we have to do a match to close the show with this giant angle, or do people just want to see Hogan? He's going to pose. Uh, Elizabeth and her NWO dress, and she just looks miserable. Hell hostage for some reason. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> miserable. Yeah. Um, so let's start the pay-per-view. Now, as far as I can tell, there was no main event matches on this show because there was one opening dark match, and it was Laparca beating Viano 4. And Dave doesn't even have a star rating on it because he didn't see it. So they had one dark match for the pay-per-view. So no main event. They've had main event matches well, uh, opening up these shows like every every time. That's interesting. I don't know if it's on. A, was it on a Saturday? Was it November? So it was on like a, a weekday maybe or something? I don't think so. I think it was on a, the normal day. Yeah. All right. So the opener is a really good match between Ultimo Dragon, uh, as he pinned Rey Mysterio Jr. Now, Ultimo Dragon and Dean Malenko had a match where uh, Dragon won because Malenko tossed him over the top rope. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we were still doing uh, those falls in uh, 1996. And so I was like, oh, Dragon's not going to do a job. Got it. And then he pinned Rey on this match, which was a, a very good match. I thought Ray was pretty much on. Both of these guys were were on fire, but 
like a lot of dragon stuff looked even more impressive because Ray's so small and he's so mm-hmm. compact and everything that Ray does is so fast. So like the bumps, even even into the the finish, which is uh, he uh, he catches Ray, uh, who goes for a springboard uh, hurricane rana, and then he catches him in midair, and then he slingshots him off the in the middle of the top rope, catches him in, in a power bomb, and it was like brutal, like a brutal in a good way. Like I, I don't think Ray was hurt by this move, but it just looked like it was like impactful. And it was a uh, it was really a really fun match to open up this show. And then match wise, like that was you know there was a a couple of okay matches, but <laughs> that was like really the the best match of the night. I thought. Yeah, I think Bell to Bell for sure is the best match of the night. Um, Ray and Ultimo had really good chemistry. This is before obviously this is before Ultimo got hurt like a few years later, right? And really uh, affected his work. But um, here he's like what the eight eight belt holder and champion. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the belts is a, the WWF lightweight title, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty funny. Uh, but this is really good. I liked it because it wasn't just a bunch of spots. You know, they told the story. They worked to the bigger, they worked to the bigger spots. Um, yeah, this match was fantastic. I have about four stars. I think Dave had it at four and a half. Mm. Uh, all right, so the next match, it, it, you know, this next match is not meant to be a Matt Classic in any way. It was a payoff of Jericho calling out Nick Patrick for being the NWO ref. And Nick Patrick, and I, I forget the guy, he he actually, Nick Patrick doing really good interviews, and then they brought another guy doing really good interviews. <laughs> yeah, I don't know his, if the guy was a worker or not, or, or, or an WCW actor. employee or something. Kind of looks like Bill Barron's, but it's not Bill Barron's. But uh, yeah, he was a nice, like, whoever they got, he was, did a great job of being a sleazy lawyer, yeah, right? Yeah, so the idea was that Nick Patrick, and Chris Jericho were going to face off, but Jericho had to have his one of his hands tied behind his back. So we've seen that before. We've mm-hmm. seen that thing uh, a bunch of times. And I think I, I really liked the match and the story they told, except for one thing, which is, of course, Nick Patrick, as the referee, he's got to, you know, he's got to take these bumps that make him look like he's not actually a wrestler. But then he actually was a wrestler, so a lot mm-hmm. of things were smooth, but his reaction was just, like, loopy and over-the-top and overly bumping. Like, he took some some face falls, like, you know, just as good as anybody else. And so mm-hmm. I'm watching this thing going, like, wow, Nick Patrick is, is probably a pretty darn good wrestler, but he has mm-hmm. to portray that he's actually not. And by portraying that he's actually not, he, he had the, the match was a little bit more, uh, more comedy, I think, yes. than they wanted. Yeah, I I, I like this actually. I, I don't I don't think I liked it back then, but rewatching it now and um I really enjoyed Nick Patrick working it. Yeah, you know, it was a little over the top, but he's supposed to be it's a referee, an evil referee wrestling, right? So I thought Jericho did a good job with his one arm tied behind his back deal. Uh but Nick Patrick was I he's been amazing, right? Since he's done this heel turn. And yeah, he was a former wrestler. His you know, his father was the assassin, you know, Jody Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And and Nick Patrick was a good wrestler. I don't know if he was a main event guy. He was a nice, you know, you know, mid mid lower mid card baby face, but he suffered a major knee injury and that's when he started refereeing. So, so, uh, but yeah, he looked good here though. Yeah. Dave wrote that, uh, he, so he started as a referee. So this mm-hmm. would have been, yeah. Breaking in of course, uh, looks like around 1980, 
and then later wrestled until he blew out his knee working for Watts. Mm-hmm. And then I guess then went back to refereeing. Though, you know, referees in, in this time frame, I don't know if you have a bum knee and you like almost like I, you know, they do all the multiple matches at night. It's not like his knee was getting a break by not by <laughs> Yeah, you would know too with your <laughs> your knee stuff. But uh yeah, it uh yeah, I thought I thought this was good. I you know, I I kinda wanna I wanna go two to three quarter. And that's that's a good rating actually. For those people probably don't think so these days in this day and age, but two and three quarters is a good rating. One and a quarter. Oh, come on, Dave. Jesus. <laughs> He, but he did say it was better than expected and definitely watchable. Yeah. And then uh, Ric Flair in his Cosby sweater came out. <laughs> not, as, not as bad as that Christmas, uh, ugly Christmas sweater he came out with. <laughs> on Nitro. My, I had to text you right away. I was like, do you wait till you see this sweater that Ric Flair? I mean, God, he looked like an uncool grandpa, you know? Well, I mean, he's like 40-ish around this time, right? Shit, he looks like he's fifty-five. At the, I don't know what I don't know why, but I was like, "What's going on, Flair?" I thought you looked cool back then, but I don't know. I guess not. He, why did he not grow the hair out long? I don't know. I don't even. Yeah, why did he cut it? What What was the reason for cutting it? Like I know, like I remember that heard ninety-one wanted to cut his hair, and he did. He, you know, had the side shaved a little bit, and that nineties, ninety early nineties cut, but. Like, dude, like, why, why don't you grow back out? Like, in 89, we had that big, long hair. Dude, you look like a – just a, you looked amazing. All right. So, uh, the Giant pinned Jeff Jarrett, and uh, this is where Sting came in and gave Jarrett the reverse DDT, and the Giant got back in the ring, and then he gave him the big choke slam. And uh, this is, you know, more teasing that maybe Sting is with Team NWO here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Jarrett got away with uh, not having to take the fall in their last match, but this time he did. And so now, you know, now, I don't know. They, they tried to make Jeff Jarrett, the, Jeff Jarrett's booking, I would say, is kind of confusing because he comes in and Flair's putting him over left and right as like the man. But then Steve McMichael, of all people, <laughs> is just mm-hmm. like. Jeff Jarrett doesn't deserve to be a horseman. Like, come on yeah. now. And so, I don't know. Jeff Jarrett's trying to be like the fighting baby face. Like, I'm not afraid of the NWO. Like, Ric Flair put me over. And then he's just in this feud with the Giant. And it's not like you can have him beat the Giant. So, I don't no. really understand his booking here and why we had to have this rematch. They got out of the first match okay and fine. And then they they kind of booked themselves into a corner with the second match. Um, you know, I wonder if Ric Flair's injury changed Jeff Jarrett's booking. Maybe they had him coming in as a heel, but maybe a part of the NWO. Maybe, you know, maybe they had something else planned, but when Ric Flair got hurt, they needed someone in that slot. And, and you know, Jeff kind of made sense, right, with the tradition stuff with his dad and, his, you know, all that wrestling history, his family. So maybe they maybe just went, maybe that's why. But I thought this match was good. I mean, Jeff Jarrett's a hell of a worker. And you know, Giants is a, a, a prospect and it's getting better every 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 match. But Jeff's just amazing with him, you know. Like he really understands how to work with the Giant. He knows how to work with anyone. You know, he's still he's still very good to this day, right? Whatever he is, fifty something years old now yeah. out there. But um, more Jack now than he was back. Then. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, he has to have that. He's got he got that TRT exemption. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he. I think it, this match was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed walk. I enjoyed watching 
Jarrett work with the giant and bump around for him and really get over his size. And so I give this match a solid three stars, in my opinion. Star and a quarter. Ah, oh, Dave, man. It's not Chris Benoit or Guerrero, man. He's not giving anyone stars. <laughs> so Rowdy Roddy Piper comes out to sign the contract to face Hogan. Uh, Hogan did not come out, and instead it's Bischoff and Vincent and Ted DiBiase. And two times during this interview, Piper looks at Vincent and says, shut up, I taught you how to fight. Yeah, and that was a little, you know, back to the 1991, right? Yes. When uh, he helped Virgil train for his match with Ted DiBiase. So he challenges Hogan to a no-DQ match because he's like, you know, all your guys come out. I have to fight all of them. Might as well, you know, make it no DQ. So Hogan comes out uh, with all of the NWO guys, and the Hogan exposes Rowdy Roddy Piper for having a, a bad hip, and he pulls up Piper's kilt to show off this long scar that goes down Piper's legs. You know, Piper. Piper actually, he, he he's a little big, right? Like he, you could tell he's kind of lifting. He, he he skipped leg day. He they, yeah, they yeah. showed his legs twice, and I'm like, man, I, I don't know about showing his legs here. He's not tanning the legs either. No, so. he's not tanning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they show the they show the scar, and they get a chair. They slam it. Hogan throws like a a running forearm at, yeah. at the hip or something. Like that was awesome. Like so unathletic in, in like this like devious way and, uh, and, and so they're gonna have their match and it's gonna be at starcade piper doesn't actually say starcade he just says whatever the name of the city of the pay-per-view is <laughs> the nashville yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. It, was, it was it was good it's just this it's this nwo stuff is be, becoming the same old same old thing like there's yeah. no surprises as far as what happens i i actually i really i really like this um i thought Piper was great. And I thought Hogan was awesome. Like he came out for like when he finally came out first. B- B- Bischoff comes out first, right? Yeah. And then when Hogan comes out, he's just like, man, he's such a cool heel at this point, right? Like he comes out, he has that swagger. He's he's pretty he's not Hogan 80s gigantic, but he's still a big dude. You know, he looks cool in the black. And he just comes in and it just I don't know. I'm like, you know what? God, I remember being excited for this match at Starcade, and and I see why because I thought they had a home run here. The the hit thing, I remember, blew my mind. Like, oh my god, look at that scar! And then they hit it. Just classic wrestling angle, you know. I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, all right. So then the next match is Harlem Heat against uh, the French Canadians. <laughs> this is all built around uh, Colonel Robert Parker and Sherry because if they if they uh if the Harlem Heat wins then she gets 5 minutes with Parker. So, you know, it was it was built around that and you know, as in this when I saw that they were building it's like, oh, you know, Jacques is, is still pretty good uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, Pierre Ouellette is like does crazy stuff. Like this could be actually a, a pretty exciting match, but eh, it was it was just whatever. Like it was definitely something that uh, you know that it was more angle. Like people cared more about the angle <laughs> the match. But Booker T 
did get to use the Harlem Hangover on Pierre after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now this was kind of comedic, and it was actually the announcers kind of ruined it. It was like, I mean, maybe they didn't ruin it, but they were laughing at it, which is they perched the steps, the ring steps, on top of a table so that uh, Pierre could do this that that flip that he always does mm-hmm. from a high, you know, for higher than the top rope, right? And Shivani and Heenan, like, they can't keep a straight face because it just looks so ridiculous, and they start laughing at what he's doing. So it kind of ruins it, goes for the cannonball and misses, and then Booker T hits the har- hits a pretty sweet Harlem hangover, by the way, yeah. to win the match for uh, Harlem Heat. Yeah, it might have been a rough one. <laughs> Harlem hangover. <laughs> but that bump, yeah, they're probably laughing because it's so ridiculous within this. I think probably Heenan especially is like, okay, how's the ref, you know, missing all this? Was there a ref bump? Try to remember. Uh, or he, he just stuck with Sherry and uh, Rob yeah, Park. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I don't remember, actually. Let me uh, I'll keep talking. I'll see if there's anything in the notes. But, and I think that's why it's like, because it's like, first they get the steps, they put it in the corner. Then they get the table, and they put it on top of the, the you know, the, the corner of the the corner, right? Then they put another steps on top of that. It's just so ridiculous because it takes so long to set this this contraption up, and it that's why probably why they're laughing. But um, you know, it's I'm I don't know why they did this. Why? Here's the I know I this is my feeling why they want to do something like this is because like okay we're losing, how can we lose but still stand out? We'll just do something totally ridiculous and jump off this big old contraption and. You know, before we get beat, but uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. This match, he, the god, he's got really good teams. You think it'd be a lot better, but to me, it was just, just about a two star match. I think Dave gave it a one and three quarters. No, mm-hmm. no, he only gave it three fourths of a star. Oh my goodness! And so, after they get the win, Sherry takes off her shoes. She's in this long red dress where uh, she has been showing cleavage all night. And I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, how is she going to fight in this thing? Yeah. So she first she she decks Parker, throws him over the top rope. Then she sets him up in the ring, and she does two flying clotheslines. And I'm just thinking, this woman is flying out of her top. <clears throat> no, she didn't. She did a great job because, you know, this is still the era in wrestling where if you get to see a little bit of skin, it kind of goes a long way. Mm-hmm. So she does a great job of showing a little bit of skin and staying in her clothes, which uh, I'm sure was, uh, had, had to be, had to be a talent of hers. Cause she did that often. And so she goes to the top rope and she does a crossbody. Now, if, if Parker was, an inch away, she would have just flat nosedived and, and fell off of her crossbody. And here's the best part. I don't know if this was supposed to be a match or not, but she tries to pin Colonel Rob, and he kicks out at like two and a half and starts running. I was like, you couldn't even take the fall there, buddy. It it, it, it was um, uh, five. She gets five minutes of Colonel Rob. I didn't understand the whole pin part. Yeah, but... I didn't either. And yeah, yeah. Thought, it, so, so based on what happened, because they only went a minute thirty, I was like, "Oh, if she pins him, then the fans are fine, and then that you know that's kind of counts as five minutes." But nope, the dude still kicks out. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, they should have just done the deal where he does, 
you know, run out. The French Canadians help them and the Harlem Heat go. And they all, they have like a three way brawl to the back and maybe people be happy with that, but sort of happened like that. They, she kind of just chased after him, but yeah, it was weird. All right. Dean Malenko against psychosis. Now on paper, you know, cause <laughs> I think, I think Dean is one of the MVPs of 1996 for WCW, just the matches that he has are just fantastic. This probably should have been a little bit better, maybe, because it's on a pay-per-view. They went 15. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for the cruiserweight title. Uh, I think probably with D- Dave actually writes that part of the problem with this match is they didn't have Tanay kind of explaining some of the moves and explaining why certain things were important. And, you know, they're, they're really like Dusty. Dusty didn't even really like a couple of pay-per-views ago, Dusty's like trying to tell the story of the match. And he's like, yeah, trying to impress Mike Tanay with his knowledge. But here he's just not at all. He's just being old, goofy, dusty. And they're all they're talking about is Piper and, and yeah. Hogan the, the whole time. So, yeah. uh, so that kind of hurts the match. Um, psycho oh, psychosis at one point goes to the top rope and, and Dean's outside near the rail. And Psychosis slips and like almost face first into the guardrail, mm-hmm. which was kind of scary. Um, and then as we got to the end, he went for the moonsault, or as Excalibur would call it, the Orihara moonsault from the top mm-hmm. rope to the floor. Uh, and then uh, Malenko scored with uh, what, da- what Dave wrote. Now, tell me what you think this hold is supposed to be called. Dave wrote, Malenko scored the pin with a Japanese rolling crotch hold. This is just the O'Con- basically an O'Connor hold, the bridge, or the Bob Backlund O'Connor roll with the bridge. That's all it is, or whatever. <laughs> but but the crotch hold? Was... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like he he just – he didn't like do the whole – Maybe it's not the O'Connor roll because he didn't do the whole like grab by the waist and roll to the ropes and then back into the bridge, but – I, he just kind of jumped in it and grabbed it quickly, and, and, you know. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That was weird. All right. Probably the worst match for me on this show was yeah. Kev, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Oh, well, well you can give me a rating. Oh, yeah, yeah go, ahead, go, go ahead. Give me a rating. Um, well, first of all, this match didn't work because Psychosis is – a heel and mainly a base for you know he does he does like dives and does he does a lot of stuff on the top rope but he's not as exciting as Ray right with and I think Dean because he had 15 minutes you know Dean wants to tell a story where he's working a hold he's working submissions and it builds up to you know psychosis's big moves right the problem is psychosis at this time he's not that good of a seller he's not that good of you know the, his body language in there when he's in a hold, you know, he's not, it's not his strength. So it, a lot of times he looked like he was just didn't know what to do, like how to sell it, how to be, where to put his body. And I think that kind of affect to me, that's what affected the match. You know, I could tell like if it's Ray's different Ray kind of, well, he's smaller and he's fighting and he had, always was fighting. Right. And you kind of get sympathy for him. That's why him and Dean really worked well. And, and, and then, so this is more of a mat-based match. And I think, yeah, you're right. Mike Tanay probably would have been better to have. I think Tanay, and sorry, Dusty and and uh, and 
Bobby probably on the sauce with probably Shivani too, you know, a little bit, not hog wild bad, but you know, I think they're probably having a little fun there and um, not really into it. So this match to me was about, about a, you know, maybe two and a quarter at the most, maybe two, two and a quarter in my opinion. Dave had it at two and three quarter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now the match that I'm about to trash this, this horrible match. The <laughs> tag team titles. In a triangle match. Now, I remembered the part about Mang and Barbarian because they really built that part up as these guys are killers. Mm. They give a crap about the NWO. Hall and Nash may have chewed a little bit more than uh, you know than they should have. And then the Nasty Boys are in this match. I don't remember the Nasty Boys being in this match other than I think when uh, it may have been the go-home Nitro, it starts with Hall and Nash beating up teams in the dark match mm-hmm. and i think the nasty boys might have been in that match yeah yeah i think the, i think the nasty boys were working high wrestling high voltage and they beat up both both teams and then the last time we had seen them is they were trying to get in the arena and then we're mm-hmm. not allowed in the arena yeah and then all yeah. of a sudden they're in this match yeah i think that match probably was made after that i guess on saturday night i'm guessing you know had to be right yeah. And yeah, and I, I mean, other than maybe, you know, Hall and Nash would have probably had to sell a lot for Ming and Barbarian for this match to have worked if it was just tag team match. Maybe that's why the Nasty Boys are in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- so these are triangle rules, so it's not a triple threat. So you you actually tagging guys in, and so at one point. The Nasties and uh, Meng and Barbarian, they tag in both Hall and Nash. And Tony Schiavone immediately goes, you guys are stupid. Why would you tag them in? They could just pin each other. And so then you got Dusty and Bobby trying to sell the idea that this was actually a smart move until they tried to pin each other. And then Dusty goes, Oh yeah, Chivani, you're 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 totally right about that. You're so smart. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like yeah. the babyface yeah. announcer looks yeah. like a giant idiot uh, at this point. Um, and so yeah. then, uh, you know, Jimmy Hart. This is the old the old WWF <laughs> finish here. Old Jimmy Hart gets old knocked Jimmy. knocked off the apron. Megaphone goes flying. And this time, Scott Hall got it, and he KO'd Knobs with it. And then Nash uh, gave him the, the, uh, the powerbomb. And I don't know if you saw this, but they, they, this was like shot like uh, an AEW match where uh, the pin happens, and there are guys on the outside of the ring. And I don't know if, uh, you know, not that they don't know that they're on camera or anything, but just the timing of it is the Barbarian, he looks in the ring, he sees Kevin Nash hit the power bomb on knobs and he starts to cover him and he looks and he looks and he looks. And then some, I think uh sags had gotten mixed up with someone on the outside. So they just runs after sags as the three count is being counted. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. Someone, someone missed get Barbie. You know, they had to go get somebody, keep him busy. He's like, Oh shit. I'm watching this whole deal. Yeah, I know. I know uh, that this match was not good. It's a dumb match to book. You know, I you got six guys who are unfamiliar and, you know, cause this is all still new triple threat matches and triangle matches. Right. 
and you have these, you know, these six guys, it's not a good move. What they should have done is after the Nasties got, you know, worked over by the NWO, they want a match, they want a match, right? They go to Bischoff for a match. This is before we know Bischoff is a is a uh, you know worked with NWO, and Bischoff was like, you know what? There's stuff you guys try to pull with you know not being loyal WCW. Sorry, the committee's not allowing you to have a match with a with you know Hall and Nash. You gotta you know go go back to the line and work your way up or something like that, right? And then Hall and Nash could later on could be like celebrating and and you know and. Bishop be like, you know, I tried it, you know, I they, you know, the committee ruled on it, but you know, then maybe it gets to know, like, oh, this just in the committee. Oh, oh my gosh, the faces of fear are down, you know, got get that spot right, and then they had the match at the pay per view and let them be a regular tag match where the Nazis maybe try to get involved as they get involved trying to get the outsiders. They end up costing, you know, faces of fear of the match somehow, some way. And then you can kind of do that match with Face of Fear, Nasty Boys on a Nitro, and then you can do finally do Nasty Boys versus the Outsiders at the Starcade, you know? Yeah, no, it would have been much better. Than now, was this before? This match must have happened before the house show match where things got a little rough between not Knobs and, and Hall and Hall and Sags beat the shit out at the Hall, right? I don't, I don't even know the story. Some like Hall. Hit Sags with a chair, and it was a bit rough and, and unsafe, or something like that. And I remember Sags just beat the shit out of him. Oh, wow! And like, it, like I think so. It must be after because I think Hall shows up with his eye kind of blackened and everything. So yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it probably next next uh, month. But yeah, so I remember that was a big talk around you. Know, the AOL grandstand boards at the time, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. So this match, yeah, this was probably the worst thing on the show. I have it at, you know, maybe I can't even call it a star. I'm going to, I'm going to go negative, negative one star. Dave had it at a half of a star. I mean, the, the potatoes were fun. You know, a lot of taters were being thrown out there. It was a tater, a tater party, <laughs> you know, especially like they could, the fuck did you see that one one time that bar- barbarian just closed on his shit out of Scott Hall? I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like, but who's, what are you gonna do to barbarian? Right? I mean, like, just gotta take it. All right, now we get to this three ring battle royal. Ugh. Who who was like a surprise to you of being in this match? The biggest surprise to me was Tony Rumble. Tony Rumble's in this match. He was uh, a a. Boston, Massachusetts manager slash wrestler. Um, I think he booked to uh, ICW, Mario Savoldi's promotion. Um, later on, it'd be like, you know, I think Century Wrestling Association. Uh, associated with that, you know, that promotion. So I think this was definitely a favor from his friendship with Kevin Sullivan. You know, got him a spot on there. Yeah, with no Hogan and with no Savage, it, it did feel like a little bit of a step down in the star mm-hmm. power from the last one as well. No Sting as well. Uh, so, like you said, Tony Rumble. How about uh, Ron Studd, who Dusty kept calling Big John Studd? <laughs> I was like, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, Ron Studd was in the original as Super Ninja, um, but uh, yeah, you know he he had to be in it, right? Same thing with Roadblock. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you need the big guys. guys. 
Yeah. Uh, what about Gallup- Heenan saying that his his pick was Dean Malenko pretty much from the beginning? Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a rib or something. Not, not, what about uh, Mike today when uh, Mike today goes Kevin Nash? We're like, wait, why, 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 why would you say an NWO guy? You know, that was weird. Um, my favorite part was Galaxy comes out, which that's Damian Damian six six six. Uh, he comes out and they go Galaxy. They're like, who the hell is that? All go who the hell is that? <laughs> like, we, ha- we haven't seen uh, the Renegade or Joe Gomez in a little while, and yeah. in this match. By the way, it, where's Jim Powers? Is he in this match? I don't. Think I'm he's sure. In this match. Oh no, he is. He is. He yeah, is yeah. Jim there. Powers is in there. Um, who else? Mark Starr got in, which I thought was cool because I, I was a, I always like Mark Starr. Jack uh, Boot. Jack Boot. Is that that's not Buddy Parker? Is it? It might be. I think it is. Was he in the fatigues? Yeah, I think it was. Oh yeah, so that's yeah, uh, Sergeant Buddy Parker. Yeah, he was Jack. That was after the Leprechaun gimmick that he had for a short time. Okay, so the Giant wins the match. Um, they did this thing where they have six broadcasters and they have two each at the ring, and for some reason. Lee Marshall is gets like he gets yeah. hit somehow. Yeah. And they keep saying like they're kind of making fun of him. Like no one's helping him. He's just like flat on the ground. And Zabisco's like, yeah, you know, I don't I don't know what's wrong with him. Like he's he's been hit. <laughs> it's just like it, and that was because when Chris Benoit came out, his face was all bruised up and a really bad makeup job. Looked like it looked like someone did run him over, right? And he had tire marks on his face. And I think Bobby he makes a joke like, we got hit by a car. Like, you know. And then Kevin Sullivan comes out and they just start fighting in the mm-hmm. stands. And, and Dungeon Doom's trying to stop it. Aren't the four horsemen are trying to stop it? And I think during that that fight, that's when Lee Marshall got hit, right? So it might have been a rib too. They might just got <laughs> you know, but who knows? Or maybe they wanted to just kind of get over the chaos of the you know all these bodies out there for this three ring battle royal. By the way, I fast forwarded every Lee Marshall segment on the nitros that we've been watching. Every single one did not even oh. let him speak. I'll be honest, I started fast forwarding this match because I'm like, dude, I can't see shit. Like, <laughs> I hated this at the time. You know, because I'm like, why? Why they? This is what they should have done. You want to do a freaking triangle match, Garrett, on the show? You have a battle royal to open the show. The winner of that battle royal goes in the main event of the night. The winner of the, the battle royal in the middle of the show goes in the middle of the night. And then the, whoever gets to – you could have done like a, you know, the, the, the bad luck draw battle royal where it happens, you know, later in the night, right, before maybe uh, the tag team title match. And then the winner of that goes into a three-way. And then you do the three-way match, right? And the winner of that gets wins the whole night, you know. Would have been easier for the film, at least. So you mentioned the Benoit thing. So that happened at the house show the night before. Yeah, they're, they're pumping the Baltimore show. Yeah, for whatever reason, kind of interesting. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere, but it wasn't on TV. So mm-hmm. you see Benoit with this crazy black guy, and you're like, "What happened? Oh, it was at the show that we didn't even get to watch because it well, was a house show." They were promoting it on the Nitro before. Yeah. Um, I wonder they're just like, you know, that that match was, you know, 
was a very popular, well, well talked about match from the Great American Bash. And then coming back with it there, they probably maybe just they, hey, let's use it to pump up some ticket sales. I mean, Kevin Sol is a booker, you know, he's going to Miles easily take that TV time to do it, right? And so, so supposedly it was like a very similar match where they all went into the bathrooms again, but it was a setup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Benoit got set up in the bathroom, and all the Dungeon of Doom guys beat him up. And I wonder how, like, at Baltimore, did they have a TV, a screen shut up? Does like show that happening, or, or what? So I, I, I had it kind of be fun to look back. Maybe kind of report back next month's uh, show if there was a boost in the in the attendance for that mm-hmm. that show. Kind of fun. All right, final ten: Luger, Jarrett, Regal, Mysterio, Eddie. DDP, Giant, Six, Hall, and Nash. And mm-hmm. so the, maybe the – I already mentioned I, I like how Lex, you know, kind of was the, the one in this match to, to overcome the odds even though he didn't win. Maybe the other best thing about this match is it's NWO facing off against WCW and DDP situates himself where he's in the middle of both teams. Yeah, I love so that. The announcers are just like, oh, DDP, just like always. He's, he's not for us. He's in the middle. You don't know about him. So that was, that was I thought that was pretty smart. Yeah, you know, like, I know WWE, deservedly so, get, gets a lot of flack for their, you know, lack of attention to detail and a lot of stuff, especially later on when they were just riding high and, you know, didn't really focus on this kind of stuff. You know, 96, 97 they were, and this is a – I love that. I love that that DP was right on that that corner between both NWO and WCW. You know, the DP stuff, you know, has been really good other than maybe talking in tongues, you know, <laughs> as a Hall of National Recruiting. But overall, it was a really well-done angle, you know, and got DP over even more. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. So – all of a sudden, all the WCW guys just start getting bounced out. <laughs> it's uh, you know they're they're also turning on 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 each other. Uh, so Regal throws out Eddie. The Giant throws out Mysterio as he's like got him in a one arm press and he throws yeah. him onto Eddie. Uh, Nash clotheslines Jarrett. DDP goes over when Regal. When he charges at Regal and, and Regal ducks the old uh, hacksaw Jim Duggan and one man gang finish from uh, Royal Rumble, the first Royal Rumble in in eighty eight, <laughs> and then all of the NWO eliminate Regal. So the problem with this match is, for the first twenty some odd minutes, just nothing happens, and then once they get into the final ten, like everything happens in like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, everything everybody just goes out. So it's it's Luger and the entire NWO. <coughs> so they repeat the spot from earlier in the year where Lex has the giant on uh, the top rope and he's he's laying on on the the top turnbuckle and Lex gets underneath him and gets him in the torture rack. Uh, so it gets broken up. He throws out Hall. He throws out Six, <laughs> and he gets Nash in in the in the total package he racks them up the giant then knocks both luger and nash out of the ring and and he wins though i think nash went out first and then he had to like hit luger again is that what happened uh luger nash got luger again no so so 
Giant hits Luger mm-hmm. and Nash at the same time, but I don't think I think they were both supposed to go out at the same time, but maybe yes. Lex didn't go over, and then Giant had to hit him again or something. Yeah, oh yeah, well yeah, he had him the he had him up, and then on the rack, right? Nash, yeah. Nash took a hell of a bump on the top row. Yeah, I was it like, was kind of scary. I was like, Nash, look at you working hard still at that, that time. Um, and then yeah, he, yeah, he knocked over Dash, Nash went over, it and, and Luger quickly went over that, which I thought, I thought. I didn't like that the fact that the WCW guys are turning on each other and limiting each other. What? What? Shouldn't have been the story been the NWO has the numbers game and they're just picking off WCW guys until they got the Luger. Yeah, that's why. That's that's kind of bugged me. And I think DDP probably should have been. Um, well, I guess they they had to do that maybe because of the DDP's part of it. I guess, but I don't know. Um. But yeah, I thought I thought it was it's still pretty exciting. The Luger part was exciting, right? Yeah. But why didn't he win? Why did he have the babyface win? Why can't I know the NWO is you gotta have their they have their heat, man. You know what I mean? Like yep. Luger, you gotta give the WCW some hope. Yep. yep. I guess it does come later on in the in the next pay review, but shit. It's just they could like you said, he did the thing with the title change of Luger even for a short period of time in ninety seven. They could have used this mm-hmm. NWO because of Bischoff could have been avoiding Luger getting a towel shot and built to that moment to when he finally does get it and he wins. Mm-hmm. You know, just like how in early 97 when the Steiner brothers were making a push for challenging Hall and Nash for the for the tag team titles, remember Bischoff kept messing with them. Like, oh, they win and they, they take the belts from almost like the dusty finish stuff and you know, they could have done the same thing with Luger. Like, oh, no, Luger, you won that battle royal, but there was a technicality or something kind of BS. And mm-hmm. they could have done, they could have been creative with it. Yeah. So from here on out, and, and I think uh, Starcade is like uh, the, like a, only a few days before the end of the year. So we probably got about five weeks of, of TV to watch, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah, it's like December 29th, right? I'm yeah, pretty so, sure. So we'll get to that, and uh, we will – finish up Starcade as the last show of the season but interestingly we're gonna see the uh iron claw mm-hmm. in mid-december so that iron claw will kick off our new show for 2024 where we're going to be reviewing wrestling movies and i don't know if i've mentioned this here yet but what i'm going to do is so we'll put it up on the patreon immediately and then we'll kind of wait a little while, maybe a week, maybe a few days, and we'll post it to the free feed. But the Patreon will always have the commercial-free version. The The free feed uh, may have some commercials, and it'll go up later. So the Patreon will still get the priority. But the reason why I'm doing it that way is because I want as many people to listen as possible to kind of do a little community thing with the movies. And maybe uh, down the year, uh, down the line in the year, we'll get some engagement from folks because we got a lot of movie movie people on our patreon uh and in the discord who are just like really really big time movie heads so it might be fun to get some of those folks to chat with us about it so uh it'll be on the patreon uh but basically i think we'll, we'll probably have our first movie review of the iron claw before the end of the year so next month in december we'll have two patreon shows from uh from me and john we'll have to figure out exactly when we're going to record those yeah a lot of pre-screenings going on right now and um a lot of a lot of positive reactions one of the uh, a horror writer or a film writer um 
Yeah, I don't think he's just just horror, but he's known for his horror. Um, I just saw his tweet tonight. He saw it, and he was putting over very strong as as good as the wrestler. He said so. Yeah, so that's, that's cool. That's good. I'm looking forward to it. And then I'm a little nervous though. Because, yeah, because you don't know how the wrestling's gonna look. No, not not that. I'm not worried about the wrestling. I don't worry about crying in front of my the, oh. all my friends. <laughs> so, I'm worried, sure. I'm worried about the wrestling, and I'm also worried about how they tell that story because we all know the story very well. And if it's a little <laughs> fudged, we're we're all gonna kind of look at each other, and go, hmm, okay. I'm my choice. I might have to sit far away from Mary because I don't know if I want to. <laughs> I'm at the. I don't want to see her me me blubbering up. You know, <laughs> I cried during the current affair episode, episode <laughs> of, of the Von Erichs man. That thing hurt hit me hard in 1994 when I watched it. Well, you're gonna have to. You can figure that one out, man. I, don't, I know. Maybe wear sunglasses. No, it's not that. It's just. It's you know. I almost cried during solo. I was trying to keep it all in when. <laughs> <you're, laughs> So <laughs> By the way, I'm almost done with Mandalorian, so I can start uh, uh, Ahsoka. I think it was Force Awakens. But I think actually it was the. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh shit, Gary's gonna see me cry right now." I'm going, no, huh? how could you do that, to Kylo? How could you do that to your dad? <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. Oh man. oh man! All right, so we're done here. Uh, we'll be back for Starcade, and like I said, be on the lookout for our new show as we uh, review wrestling movies, and we're going to kick it off with the Iron Claw. So for John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.